We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. Brought to you by MyBookie. Now, as you know, uh, MyBookie is the official sports book of Rotoviz Radio. And also, as you know, I am not Eric Spurtzlaff. I am not Dan Senio. I'm Nathan Powell. And tonight, I'm without my, my two compadres. Uh, instead, I'm joined by two of my best Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com friends in the industry we have uh my good friend uh kevin the ff engineer who's been on this podcast before to may 
who is the man, talks to Debbie on Twitter all the time. He has an awesome podcast, The Dynasty Life. How's it going tonight, fellas? I'm really happy to have, have you both on. Just uh, glad to be here. I actually, uh, since we are best friends, I, I hope you got your half of the best besties locket I sent you. Uh, yours says D E S, and mine says like ties. It's kind of confusing, but you know, <laughs> you see that soon. Oh, for sure. Nathan, you get nothing from me. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> You're lucky to be my best friend. <laughs> wow. Indeed. All right. Well, today, everyone knows me and Nathan go way back to Seinfeld days. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, uh, of course, for everyone who uh, cares, uh, Mark, Megatron FF, he basically bought the Seinfeld Championship, so Kevin and I were both frustrated about that this, this past weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, All I actually told Nathan to come on this podcast. He's going to sell me some good players. <laughs> yep, and I want to let everyone know that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all your NFL content and also supports the pod. And you can contact us at via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com and at, on Twitter at rotovizradio. As we do on all of our regular season uh, focused pods, we're going to go through the basic news and notes of the, uh, you know, the NFL week and talk about the, the big news. And so we're going to start off this week's big news with Jimmy Garoppolo. Just about a half hour ago, the, the news dropped from Mr. Schefter on Twitter that Jimmy Garoppolo was headed to San Francisco in exchange for what is likely the 34th overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft. We will start with our Patriots fan who has voiced frustration on Twitter. Thoughts Garoppolo to San Francisco from a Patriot perspective, and then you can dive into Dynasty as well, Superflex preferably. So I think initially uh, the reaction on Twitter, one of the misconceptions that Patriots fans have with this trade is that our, rea- our real reaction actually is the Brissett deal. We didn't want to lose Brissett. But given that that's water under the bridge and they've already traded Brissett for Dorsett, who's getting little playing time as it is, you you basically get rid of Garoppolo with no replacement in hand. Now it looks like Hoyer got cut and Hoyer's going to probably – theoretically signed with New England as their backup. So I'll take that backup option and, you know, the top 35 pick or whatever it's going to be is, is pretty good. It's probably unfortunately going to be better than uh, whatever Dorsett's given us now. And I mean, even with the 32nd pick we traded and we got cooked. So I do trust that 32nd or 35th pick, whatever it turns out to be uh, for the Patriots to do that, to do good with it. I think their initial reaction really is that, Oh my God, you traded this in the moment you traded this pick and we have no quarterback of the future at all. And we were kind of pretty excited in New England that the Patriots not only drafted Brissett, who turned out to be pretty good, but they drafted Garoppolo. Um, now, here's the asterisk with all that. The asterisk with all that is that Garoppolo's deal is up and it's been a big time talk discussion that uh, they're not going to franchise him. He's not going to resign here next year. So he was kind of out anyway. And the only thing we were looking at is him as a backup in 2017. Now, if that's Hoyer, that's fine. We'll be fine with Hoyer if he comes in and he can be a backup in the worst case scenario. But so I'm fine with the deal in a vacuum. It's really the preset deal that we're all mad about. Travis, what do you think of the dynasty implications, particularly Superflex? Because obviously in a one QB, 12 teamer, Garoppolo didn't have much value as is. So uh, what are you valuing at maybe in a 2018 rookie draft perspective for Garoppolo and Superflex? 
Yeah, so with Garoppolo, I think this is fantastic for those that had been stashing him anyway, just waiting for the inevitable with uh, Tom Brady uh, going his way and, and riding off into the sunset or uh, Garoppolo just leaving. I actually have a couple shares of Garoppolo, and I'm happy that that value just uh, went up for sure. I think it depends on the depth of your league. I think that's that's what I found the most with Superflex. If you're looking at a, a 10-team Superflex versus a 16-team Superflex, the variance in value there can be unbelievable. But if you're in you know, a 12 or 14 team league, which is pretty common, you're probably going to have to pay more than a first now uh, in many cases to acquire Garoppolo because e- even though the depth drops and, and you know the top rookie quarterbacks can get taken in maybe the five, six, seven range if they're not supposed to be amazing, like your uh, Deshaun Watson, you know Patrick Mahomes, or Mitchell Trubisky, depending on your league, you know they're, they're probably a first round pick, those rookie top quarterbacks, uh, but Garoppolo, because we kind of feel like we already know what he is and we feel like he's just going to plug and play and find success, uh, the uh, the consensus might have put his value above just a random uh, 2018 first. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, definitely late first. I don't know that I'd give up a top six, and Travis, you can probably talk about more of this than I can. I don't really put much stock in the early, quote-unquote, Debbie pool coming up, but I think – in general, it seems like these top five, top six picks have been premium, where you can probably get more than just Garoppolo. I, I don't, I don't think you really want to give up your top six pick for Garoppolo, but definitely a late first in a super flex league. Uh, I'd, yeah. I'd probably be open to doing that. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the sweet spot. I think it's where they might be a little bit of a rub. Yeah, the, the max I'd give is it'd be a situation where if I was relying on a Jay Cutler or a Matt Moore as my QB two, I could go out and you know trade what I see as my late first for Garoppolo. But that, that'd be the max I'd give. Maybe the, the more attractive deal for a buyer would be, all right, offering, you know, two mid-seconds or a mid-second, a late second, and then like a later pick. So, I mean, oftentimes it's just hard to deal that mid-first. So I think that the optimal move might maybe dealing the later picks when possible. Although I will say the le- – so I think uh, the, the only rub on the, the late picks there has been um, in back-to-back years, one of the leagues that I'm in, I got uh, – I got Juju at one twelve this past rookie draft, and I got Fuller at one eleven the previous year. So, uh, you know, it depends yeah. what those late first turned out to be, right? Well, it's kind of like betting on a, a hand in poker that you really shouldn't be playing, right? It's like, exactly. <laughs> it's like when you hit it, it's like, oh yeah, I mean, I should, I should do that every time. I, I should play this every time, and then you realize, oh, oh, I just, I got, I, I just got covered. I'm done. That's right. <laughs> and so. Yeah, it's gonna some regression is coming. So just know you should actually just ship away your late first this year because you're going to miss this year for sure. Well, that's what we call foreshadowing in the business because two, <laughs> two of the next players we're going to talk about tonight, probably the the biggest uh, you know shootout game from, I mean definitely the biggest shootout game from this past weekend was that Texans Seahawks game, and then the the two players that are highlighted there from a dynasty perspective, Hopkins. We all know how good he is, and he, he had a huge game. But the two players to talk about are Deshaun Watson. This guy is now being talked about as a top three, top four quarterback in Dynasty. Uh, and that can even be argued in Superflex. Maybe it's more worthy because of the, the long-term value of the young quarterback. And then Will Fuller, definitely a guy that Kevin has been high on throughout. He just keeps on scoring touchdowns. Granted, that it's, it's impossible. It's not going to sustain. No player could ever score, you know, nine touchdowns on 12 catches or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> Travis, I'll, I'll, I'll lead off with you with Will Fuller. What, what are your thoughts on, on the, the, the Texans pairing? I mean, nobody nobody could ever do it, but he just did it. It's like, man, come on, just stop it. Just <laughs> you're, you're ruining everyone's math here. 
This is this is terrible. But no, I, I think obviously this is going to stop. I mean, we saw with Kareem Hunt, like nobody's going to sustain that that level of production, and it mixed with the touchdowns. And yeah, his touchdowns have come down to earth, and that he's basically not scored hardly at all uh, since he absolutely blew it up early in the season. And so that's going to come for Will Fuller, and that's okay. That doesn't mean he's any worse of a player three weeks from now when he hasn't scored a single touchdown in the next three weeks. Uh, he's just that's okay. He's going to have some deep bombs. He's going to have some success. Uh, I like him as a player. I don't think he's uh, somebody that I, I I really want to put in my wide receiver one or even wide receiver two spot. But if I want a, an absolute home run threat in my flex, I'm all for it. And I think that's how I'm valuing him going forward. I'm, I'm not buying in that he's just this automatic beast that's going to continue to eat. If you look at his targets, he's just not getting enough volume. Uh, to consistently do this throughout an entire season, like you said. So uh, unless he just starts cranking out, you know, 10 targets a week uh, pretty consistently, <laughs> I'm not really going to buy into him being a wide receiver one or really even my wide receiver two. I don't really want, I don't really trust that at all. Uh, what about you guys? So here's the thing with Fuller is that um, I've obviously loved him since the pre-draft process. And I wrote article on DLF, 2000 words. So here's the rub. My problem with Fuller is the the goalposts keep moving because so many people don't like him as a player. And bef- early on, it was, oh, my God, he can't be as good as um, Carew. And then it was, oh, my God, no way he can be as good as Malcolm Mitchell. And then it's like, oh, my God, no way. Because as he started falling into the mid-second rounds of Dynasty drafts that rookie year, people moved who they were comparing him to. So by the time, like even me, I was able to get him. I got him like 2-4 to 2-6 range in rookie drafts. And around that time, I kept arguing with people that he was better than Corey Coleman. So back then I was arguing that. And then it moved to he wasn't as good as Carew. Then it moved to he wasn't as good as Malcolm Mitchell. And now it's the wide receiver one. He can't sustain the touchdown output. And that was never the upside with him. The upside with him was that possibly he would be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three flex play that would be even worthier mid to late first round pick. And, you know, I think I had him maybe top five in that class, which would still be high and aggressive, but that doesn't mean that I consider him to be a Mike Evans. Uh, You know, so I don't think that, that this ceiling is sustainable by any means, but I don't think that in fairness, I ever thought that he was going to be that. And Everyone likes to talk. Talk. Uh, people love to run numbers and project out be- the bad players and focus on things like touchdown. But doesn't it make sense that his reception and targets would go up with negative touchdown regression? Yeah, for sure. So uh, there, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. You know, maybe he doesn't hit the sixty yard touchdown, but he'll get three targets that drive. You know, where he gets three for twenty yards versus a touchdown. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I like to just uh, project that. When they don't hit that touchdown, that he automatically gets three more receptions. I think that those those type of plays are fantastic, but I'm not sure that all those drives sustain every single time. Like when you take that long bomb, like that's fantastic. Um, that, that's but that's well, not one of like, his touchdowns was 20 yards. Oh yeah, that that's that's great. That's that's great. I'm just really talking about this last week. I'm just I'm just saying. Well, and well, then in that way, if if he's going to get those short yards too, it's not all just long bombs. But this past week. He actually had, you know, the most targets and he had the long bombs. Uh, so it's kind of a mix of the two. Uh, I'm just saying that I want to see him consistently get eight, at least what he did this week with eight targets a game. Uh, if he can do that all the time, I mean, that's that's not terrible. That's like 130 targets-ish over a 16-game season. 
that's a nice pace. And if he converts, let's say NFL average, you know, somewhere in the low 60% of catch rate, something like that, or uh, he could be a, a great wide receiver three uh, with um, the ability to blow up from time to time. I, I'm not saying he's bad. I don't have a problem with him necessarily as a talent. I think he's um, normally going to be the second fiddle to <laughs> uh, Hopkins in that offense. And I think that's really not a, up for debate in terms of target share normally. Um Unless unless that drastically shifts, I don't think that I can I can value him uh, as some just TD monster that's going to sure. put up wide receiver. Sure, and and I think the mistake would be anybody putting him in that value, right? Yeah, for sure. So you're giving a counter argument to, would, which would be not no. I, I'm the biggest Will Fuller fan I know out there. <laughs> trust me, and I'm not putting yeah. him in the top twelve receivers. Yeah, totally. So you know what I mean? That's just, I, where, I would, so where put, would you him, put him. You know, I think I had him in the top. I want to say 40 or so, but maybe he jumps oh, up yeah. to top 35 or top 30. I mean, yeah, that's not bad. I mean, especially if he does anything like this, anything half, half of what he's been doing in, in, in terms of touchdowns. Uh, but in, let's just say his targets settle around six, seven per game, which is what, you know, your normal wide receiver two is looking at uh weekend, week out generally like on a, on a healthy offense. So that that's okay. If he, if he settles in that range, he's a high upside flex play. And that's what he did. And that's what he is. That's that's wide receiver thirty ish, maybe wide receiver twenty eight ish for dynasty, or maybe maybe higher just because he's young, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I, I'm okay with that range for sure. So Nathan, for trade trade discussion wise, uh, let's say somebody offered you straight up for Corey Coleman, which one are you taking? And I know you're a big Corey Coleman fan. <laughs> um, I I think I have to take Fuller there. Uh, as a, I mean, mostly because I think that, you know, it's just taking the points now in a young explosive offense. There's just so much uncertainty with that Cleveland Brown situation. I was one who, and there are many that on Twitter that uh, like agree with their process and like what they're, they've been doing, but you know, it really hasn't tra- translated to the field quite yet, especially at the quarterback position with Kaiser being underwhelming. So I think I'd take like the safety of having a Deshaun Watson at quarterback and having, you know, more of the proven NFL, you know, success, uh, of Will Fuller, even though I do think that Coleman was the better prospect, but at this point, Will Fuller is the better NFL player, and it's not that close. Yeah, totally. I'm 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 there with you, man. I think you just have to. At the end of the day, you have to look at it and say, look, Will Fuller's already done this. He's already proven that he can be productive. Corey Coleman, we just, I mean, maybe we just don't know, and maybe we should give him another chance. But yeah, I'd have to, have to say I'd rather have Fuller. Yeah, and so let's just do a quick discussion on Deshaun Watson. Uh, Kevin, where, where are you ranking him right now in Dynasty? Is he in that top three to four range? Or are you pumping the brakes maybe towards maybe a lower-end QB1? You know, this is where I need to even catch myself because I, I liked him going in. I didn't think he was this. You know, I thought he was maybe going to be uh, QB. I did a write-up for him for DLF. I think I had him maybe, if he was projecting if he was going to start this year, I think I had him maybe like QB 16 to 20-something range. Um, I didn't, no way I anticipated this, even as a favorable, having a favorable opinion of Watson. Uh, I wasn't buying into the velocity argument. I think that data is incomplete. I don't think a lot of these quarterbacks that we have, we don't have a long enough history on QB velocity. Um, and I think that his his legs and his other tangibles make up for any lack of velocity. So I would never butt into that negative argument on him on that one. But um, very promising. Obviously, you can't, 
deny what you're seeing. But at the same time, am I ready to put him ahead of Locke, Wilson, and others? No, I don't think so. But definitely, you know, let's talk top 10 range, maybe. You know, he's definitely in that category, right? For sure. Travis, where would you have him? You go in top three, top five, I mean, top 10. You know, I think maybe we should work in those kind of blocks. Yeah, for me, it's really hard to put him in that top elite conversation. But at the same time, here on local radio, they were just talking about. So because, I mean, obviously the Titans are in uh, the division with Deshaun Watson. And they're like, you know what? I mean, Marcus has been comparatively. I mean, his efficiency, especially when we get in close to the red zone, Marcus Mariota has been bad. And he's like this guy that's on that fringe in the six to, six to eight, nine range in quarterbacks for Dynasty, right? Just because he's young and he, he's looked good and. And then they were talking about, well, you know what? Is Deshaun Watson, they're asking, is Deshaun Watson already better than Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston? <laughs> and, and, and that was like a question that they had a long conversation about. And I, I don't know if I'd go that far that, and just say, man, I'm really confident after this seven-game sample size that he's definitely better. Uh, I think that there's a lot of things to, that he can definitely grow. And still, uh, and we love to overreact and just say, oh, yeah, he's top five dynasty quarterback. And that's why I kind of like – I generally like to just slow down and wait and talk about this after the end of season and just say, look, what just happened and how did it happen? That's the most important thing. Uh, so I think teams are going to adjust. They're going to figure him out. And I think he's going to settle in the eight and nine range maybe at the end of the season. And so I like to project for the future with my rankings. And that's where I think he'll settle in the eight, nine range. Uh, after this season so that's kind of how I would, I would value him in terms of quarterback rankings right now yeah I think that he's surpassed the veterans the, the Matt, Matt Ryans the Matthew Staffords the Tom Brady's and I think it becomes a, a conversation when you're talking about Jameis Winston Marcus Mariota Dak Prescott all these young quarterbacks that have such high potential I think that that's a tier of their own before you get into the the Wilson Luck Rodgers tier so I think that people who are putting him, you know, with Rodgers and Luck right now, maybe a bit premature. But I honestly wouldn't blame anybody for putting him putting him ahead of uh, Marcus Mariota or James Winston or even Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like right now, this second in a vacuum, uh, who's who's just you know, what have you done for me lately? I, I for me, I'll uh, not to blow smoke up Travis's uh, tailpipe, but I would def. I I think I'd keep Mariota above him, and I. would probably sorry Nathan put him above Winston just basically Winston I think <laughs> is a little sloppy with the ball man he's really gonna sure up he's a little like Cam Newton with this uh he doesn't take care of the ball as well he's got a lot of turnovers and, and that concerns me his decision making he he can do these drives that are just are fantastic and then he gets on the red zone and makes a boneheaded play and, and I, though he's gonna clean that up you know uh if he can clean those things up I think that he can be more consistent but uh, he's de- he's definitely got a little bit, you know. I think that's where I would kind of maybe I would ha- want to have the debate sandwiched between somewhere between Mariota Winston. I-, I think you described it well in the Prescott. He's in that group, and we'd have to maybe let the season play out, as Travis said, and then kind of dictate where does each you know quarterback line up. You know, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever that is. I definitely don't think I want to put him in the top five yet. Well, th- this was in the notes, so let's just move to this now. Uh, Jameis Winston has had the, the, the turnover troubles this year. Travis, are you pressing the, the panic button if, if you have uh, Jameis Winston in Superflex? Are you trying to deal him off for Deshaun Watson if you can? Um, wh- what are your thoughts on his turnovers? Do you think this becomes a Jay Cutler-type recurrence, or do you think it's more of a, you know, just an uh, early career-type struggle? I think 
the the main issue is, is decision making, and uh, I think like it, way back in earlier in the season when they they could have won the game, he decides, man, I'm gonna throw. I'm not gonna throw like a hail mary towards the end zone. I'm gonna kind of zing it in there to my rookie tight end who's not even looking yet uh, <laughs> to try to win the game. And it's just like, man, where, why in the world would you do that? Like, how in the world? Like, how in the world was that the go to option for this play? And I think the the, the decision making is something I'm, I'm questioning. I'm not sure. I wonder if he ever fixes that. But at the same time, he's done some amazing things. There have been a few games where he's absolutely blown it up and just been, you know, he was looked like one of the best. But it, I think one thing that's underrated that a lot of people haven't been really thinking about is there's there's a lot of new pieces in this offense. There's a lot of, a lot of things going on with uh, Doug Martin coming in late, with him you know trying to work in OJ Howard and still throw to Cameron Brait some and. And then there's okay now there's Deshaun Watson, Watson there's, wow Deshaun Watson Deshaun Jackson and I've got this new toy I've never really had anything like this uh, how, how, he's just trying to figure out his stride how do I hit how do I hit Deshaun Jackson in stride and now but at the same time I got to keep Mike Evans happy and throw him the ball because he's the best playmaker potentially on the team so there's a lot of different things going on with this offense I think he'll be a lot better with all these playmakers this set of options next year than he will be this year. So I, I still believe in him long term. So Nathan, real quick before you jump in with your take on him, I want to give you. So I don't have the numbers updated for this past week, but going into week eight, I was doing some numbers on Q8, QB turnover leaders, so interception plus fumbles. So going into week eight, mind you, this doesn't include uh, Sunday, obviously. Newton fifteen, Kaiser fourteen, McCown thirteen, Simeon twelve, Flacco twelve, Winston eleven. That's not a list you want to be on. Kaiser, McCown, Simeon, Flacco, and then you got Winston and Newton with them. That's a bad list, in my opinion. Yes, I, I can agree with that. That is a bad <laughs> list. Uh, I, I mean, for, honestly, uh, I think that I'm, it's a bit of an overreaction type thing. But this is the first, you know, day day, uh, day after a game, couple days after a game, where I've thought maybe we don't have our quarterback of the future, and that's a pure overreaction take. But it's definitely the most worried I've been about the position since we've drafted James Winston. Speaking of uh, good decisions in fantasy football, not ones that James Winston was making, the best decision I've made lately in fantasy football is getting involved in my app draft. It's the best new app in fantasy football. It's daily fantasy at its finest. You know, all you have to do is you draft the team. There's no salary involved. And, you know, you draft a team. They will let you know if a player is injured. You can do late swap with injuries. It's really awesome. And so you get involved with the code RV radio and you get a free game. So deposit $3 code RV radio. And your first game is absolutely free draft is the best new fantasy app. Everyone has to be on it. Hey guys, are you involved on draft? Cause if not, you definitely should be. I am not yet. I have been tempted. Yep. yep. <laughs> I've heard of it. There you, there you <laughs> not go. That yet. All right. Let's uh, talk about, the pairing of the wide receivers in Pittsburgh. You have Juju Smith-Schuster at his career game on Sunday night, and you had Martavis, who was inactive. This has kind of been a recurring topic um, on the Dynasty Tradecast, so everyone knows my takes on on the two wide receivers. I have th- always thought that Schuster was the more talented player and the player that Pittsburgh had more interest in being better. So now it looks like that's going to be the case. Uh, we'll start with Travis. Travis, do you think Martavis continues to be inactive if he's not traded by the deadline? tomorrow and what are your thoughts on that that wide receiver team 
Yeah, I've, I've always kind of viewed this uh, as more of a slap on the wrist. Hey, you know, don't do stupid stuff and go on Twitter and talk crap about your teammates to make yourself look good. I mean, just just stop. Like, I don't think it makes sense to have Martavis Bryant inactive consistently, especially. I mean, if, if you actually want to trade him anyway, it's like why why would you not have him out there making plays so you can raise his price rather than just making him look like baggage uh, as an inactive. So I, I don't think that he'll be inactive going forward. He's too good of a player. Uh, obviously, he's not a perfect player. Maybe not the brightest crayon in the box when it comes to uh, life decisions and. Uh, social decisions and laundry list of things. But at the same time, he's going to be on the field. Do I think that Juju probably actually has a greater number of snaps? Uh, yes. I think snaps targets that they have to go more in Juju's direction. He's, he's displayed that he's got game breaking talent already as uh, basically a 20 year old, not even <laughs> 21 yet, which is just incredible. So I, you know, before this, they were actually uh, before this week, they were actually almost neck and neck in terms of, um, in terms of snaps. So I, I, I'm interested to see what happens when Martavis is active because he's going to be. Uh, I think Juju has to be the guy on the field, though, in two wide receiver snaps going forward. He's just proven to be too good. He's too smart of a player, even though they clearly just wanted to get him involved and they clearly schemed him open in a couple of cases, especially like his first reception. That play was just 100% meant for him. Um, and they, they kind of wanted to make just a statement, just saying, hey, Juju's our guy. You need to get get used to this, Martavis. And so um, I, I don't think he's going to have 10 targets a game every week because, uh, I mean, before he was averaging, what, four targets-ish a game. Uh, but if he settles in the seven range like a normal wide receiver too, that's, that's fantastic. He's a flex play all, all day. So I'll take that. Uh, so I guess I don't know. I, I definitely don't value Martavis Bryant very highly at all anymore. Uh, how would you guys rate these two players like in a trade? Like if like what like on Martavis side, Martavis plus what to you in terms of picks equals a juju? So this is a difficult part I've always had with trading is that I just don't want Martavis Bryant. Period. But uh, <laughs> so if I'm yeah. moving him and I don't have any shares in all of my teams, I never wanted him to be honest. Uh, I never had him that high with Antonio Brown there. So for me, if I did have him like in an orphan, if I took over a team or something like that, and, you know, what would I have to add to Martavis? I think at this point you'd, you'd have to do a – this is a perfect situation where I try to um, camouflage a deal, where I try to add players to the deal to disguise the value. So I would try to do like a Martavis Bryant and an Alshon Jeffrey for, I don't know, Keenan Allen. You know what I mean? I'm trying to disguise that where people are maybe buy high on Jeffrey and sell low on a player that I really want to target. And I'm adding Mateus Bryant as, I don't want to use the word throw in, but basically as a, as a disguised piece that I'm trying to move off my roster. Yeah, I agree. I was never a a big buyer on Martavis Bryant. So I I think that now is definitely not the time to sell. And now is not the time to buy Juju Smith-Schuster either. So I guess they're, they're both old. They're both holds at the moment, unless you can get. I mean, I saw something ridiculous, and it was. I think it was a trolling uh, uh, poll, but I think I saw Juju or OBJ uh, today, and like it was, it, it was only eighty <laughs> percent. It was only eighty percent for OBJ, so I think oh that my the Juju votes were trolling. But anyone yeah. who is willing to trade Odell Beckham for my Juju shares, I will uh, take OBJ with armed weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those, right. are, those are troll answers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know what's not trolling though. My bookie. It is the best, the best sports book on the internet. You know, if you you go looking to place bets, whether you're a newbie trying to you know get involved with it, or you're a, a, a grizzled veteran in the betting game, 
you got to get involved with my bookie. Uh, the, the promo code is TradeCast. And so get involved with that and you get a 50% deposit bonus. So if you deposit $100, you get $50 on top of that. Really awesome stuff. So make sure you get involved with my bookie. Uh, you win, you get paid. It's all you really want from a sports book, just winning and getting paid. There you go. All right, let's continue to another running back who I've personally had trouble trying to figure out the value on, and that's Chris Thompson of the Washington Redskins. It's definitely clear he is the running back to own that backfield. It's not Samaj P. Ryan. It's not Rob Kelly. So what are your thoughts? We'd start with Travis. Uh, What are your thoughts on Chris Thompson from for now and in the future? Yeah, I think if you could easily compare uh, this year for uh, Chris Thompson is like a souped up version of what Theo Riddick has been known to do from time to time, right? Uh, Similar type role, they can come in and you don't think that they can actually produce given an opportunity, but then they do. And then they have maybe, you know, like last year, Theo Riddick had six touchdowns on the season. Well, this year, uh, Thompson already almost has that. Plus, he's already had a, uh, a little bit more. Uh, he's a little bit faster paced for rushing and receiving yards, but I don't know if I trust Chris Thompson's future in that role. I'm not sure if, if the Redskins really like him that much. I, I think if you just listen to what the coaches have already said, it's really hard to just believe, oh, he's definitely going to be the guy going forward. The main difference between somebody like Chris Thompson versus a theoretic is had some company there and really only had a, an opportunity because Amir Abdullah was uh, down so so much with injury. And so when he came back, he was the plug-and-play guy. And in, in Washington, I'm not sure that there's a guy that they can trust <laughs> to just be on the field all the time, like you said with P. Ryan or, or Rob Kelly. And so next year, I just I feel like they have to dip their hands into the draft again and go try to get some kind of difference maker again because if they unless they believe that Chris Thompson can carry the load a lot more and actually touch the ball a lot more, uh, or they're fine with being horrible in the run game. Uh, they're going to have to go back and get something better. So I think uh, this offseason, people were taking theoretic still in the top 100 picks of dynasty drafts, even though he had the company there uh, with Amir Abdullah, and that was a mistake. So what happens if the Redskins take a, a rookie who could actually come in and, and do something? I think people are still going to say, no, Chris Thompson needs to be in the top 100 picks or so because he's going to finish strong this year. Uh, but that's probably going to be a mistake. I like Chris Thompson. I like what he's done, but I just don't have any faith in his long-term sustainable role. So so I'll uh, throw it back to you this way, throwing it compared to some kind of high-profile rookies. He has uh, 42 rushing attempts, I think, 46, 47, something like that, in the same ballpark which we would have Alvin Kamara at 42 and Christian McCaffrey at 49. So – I would almost I would almost say that it's not I don't know if he's Riddick or if he's Kamara McCaffrey. So I think it's a similar profile. The problem with Thompson really is is that he's the type of player that you want to trade for before he hits value and you want to fall mm-hmm. I I used to joke that there's certain players that you want to fall ass backwards into value. You know, he's the kind of guy you want to buy it for a third and then he becomes valuable in your roster to use as a running back or as a stream in RB2 kind of thing where you fell into that value. In terms of acquiring, I'm totally on board with what you were saying, Travis, in terms of uh, he's a hard guy to trust long-term. So if you're buying yeah. uh, or if you're trading for or you're aggressively trying to acquire um, 
a high profile running back like Thompson who's producing, you're going to have to pay premium, which has a value associated with it that's going to be beyond this year. And I think that's really hard to try to buy into. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like if I'm, if he's on my team, I'm like, thank God, because it didn't cost me anything. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm going to ride the hot hand and actually trust his production. Actually, we were talking about him specifically a few weeks ago on the Dynasty Life pod. Just trust it. We've seen a big enough sample size, at least for this year, plug and play in your running back two slot. And you might get a running back one out of the deal in PPR leagues, which is insane to think just based on what he was coming into the season. But man, I just can't put stock into buying him, especially, I mean, just given the range of outcomes here, I I cannot do that long-term. Yeah. This is something that I've heard Kevin talk about on a number of pods and on Twitter. And it's about waiver wire gems that turn into, uh, you know, legitimate starters week to week. And Kevin calls them free money. And that a lot of people talk about uh, trying to trade that guy and trying to get value in terms of future pick. Sometimes the value isn't, you know, getting the future pick. Yes, maybe the 112 or the 201 is going to be a better player long-term than Chris Thompson. But maybe the play is just getting the points from Chris Thompson right now rather than getting the better player later on. Exactly. Exactly. I'm right, right there with you. All right. Another player that you could, could have been had cheaply this offseason due to his uh, early career struggles is Eagles wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. Uh, where are we at with him? Do we think that he's, you know, inconsistent week to week play? Do we think he has the upside of being a wide receiver too in this offense? Uh, what are your thoughts? We'll start with Kevin. So Aguilar, I actually did a buy. Um, I think in Seinfeld Dynasty, I got a, a, a random offer. I think somebody was trying to clear. I will not mention names. Um, he was trying to clear roster space. And he had he had to do cut down, and he offered me for like a fourth round rookie pick. So I took it, and I just had the space. He was basically a waiver wire. It's a fourteen team league, and I just said, "Hey, what the heck? I'll take I'll take the rosters. I'll take the ro- free space. I guess you know, fill the free space, right?" And that's something you taught me, Nathan, is never leave uh, empty ro- empty roster spots on your on your teams. Is that you always want to fill them either with uh, waiver wire flyers or you know whoever you can get, right? And Algalor was that kind of person that I had bought in the off season, not. I, to be honest, this isn't something I was like, hey, I, this is his year. You know, I didn't protect this or anything <laughs> like that. It's just I fell into it where I was just valuing the basically he was more than a free agent, but less than somebody I would actually go out to acquire. But um, certainly this is these are the kind of players that I always preach to people why I can always trade my first because guys like this happen all the time. And people who spend so much money or so much asset of their, their dynasty rosters into these uh, players that, and they don't actually let them. I like the phrase uh, Jacob Rickroad coined incubation period is that the, there's a, too much of an impatience with this incubation period on Aguilar Adams. You know, I'm seeing it with Treadwell. I'm seeing it with a lot of players where they're just not giving them the time that it takes for these receivers or some of these receivers to uh, actually, you know, incubate and become, what they will be for their career. Yeah. For, for me, I, yeah, I, you have to be patient, especially with, with a lot of first round guys, obviously sometime that sometimes they're just going to become dead weight at, at some point, but I mean, it, it's not like he's been around forever. It's not like he had some huge opportunity. I mean, he never had more than 69 targets. So we really didn't know what could happen if he actually had a, a healthier uh, target share, which he actually doesn't have that 
significant of a target share even this year. I mean, coming into this week, he was only averaging five targets a game, which I think before I get to, before I get ahead of myself, I do want to mention I, I love what you said about just just don't waste the, the roster space and everything like that. I just say don't do any zero value moves, and and so in that case. Good on the guy who traded a fourth for Agor if you, instead of just cutting him. And good on you for making the buy because you had the space and buying low on a player that, that had an opportunity to step up this year. I think that's, that's the key. Just, just take those risks and take the value that you can get. Uh, if, if you don't want to wait on Agor, okay. Um, but I, I generally preach more patience than that. But moving forward with Agor, I think if you look at the targets around him, if he's third on the totem pole on his own team and he's only getting five targets a game, through a 16-game span, you're looking at 80 targets. So how many like solid wide receiver twos get 80 targets? That would be zero. So I, I, I don't think that I'm, – I'm really assuming he's just going to keep on putting up uh, a touchdown every five catches. Uh, I don't think that's going to sustain itself. <laughs> I don't think that's going to increase. Um, but uh, if he has an, a slight increase in targets, maybe – Something happens to Jeffrey after after this year, and he's elsewhere. I don't really know. So he's still a decent buy maybe in a few weeks after his, his price has come down. But to me, he's, again, probably more like a flex play, and I still probably wouldn't feel great putting him in my top 36 wide receivers right now. But what about you guys? At thir- top 36 wide receiver, does that does that sound safe for Agor, or is he even in that conversation for either of you? I'd have to go through my list of wide receivers, but I, I- – Yes, he'd be more in the 40 to 45 range at, at its peak. But, you know, we talk about this so much with draft capital. The Eagles are invested in the in, uh, in the success of Carson Wentz. They're invested in the success of uh, Nelson Aguilar. Maybe, I mean, definitely more so than they are in Alshon Jeffrey. So I think that, you know, the more opportunities they have to have the, that duo of Wentz Aguilar to be successful, they're going to, you know, use that as often as possible. Yeah, I, I hope he he does really well. I mean, it was really bad to just see him struggling that that bad for and and just clearly it was just all in his head, you know, with the drops, with just horrible mistakes, and it, you hate to, to see somebody just struggling that badly. He just wants it so much, but uh, yeah, he, he's still hard to value for me. Yeah, I think I, I'm in the ballpark with Nathan. I I were off the top of my head, I was gonna say top fifty wide receivers, which still is you know doubling his value or more. You know, I think before the season we might have been undrafted outside of two forty, kind of overall. Never mind wide receiver. It just I think he was probably in the undraftable space. Now he's we're talking about top fifty wide receiver, which is obviously valuable in in any dynasty roster. He should be uh, even medium sized. You know. 24 by 12 type leagues he should be rostered um and and, and startable he's definitely startable now um and and yeah I, I, I travis what you said about flex play i think he is that kind of play right he's your you don't want him as your core i, I often talk about having core of your dynasty rosters as being 50 or 60 percent of your um overall asset pool is your core players and i think Algalar should be in your prospect pool. If you if you've traded away your first, he's the kind of guy that I want. So in this particular league, I've traded away my first. I think two years in advance already, and Algalar was somebody I traded for a fourth. So now he kind of becomes that prospect that hopefully he can be better than he is. Jeffrey's on a one year deal. Maybe they don't bring him back. Algalar could be the number one on a Wentz led offense. Give me that all day long. All right, guys, this has been a really fun show. Just to wrap us up, we normally do a game, but today we're just going to do a really quick segment. 
Travis, name your one player. If you have a six and two dynasty squad, maybe a five and three dynasty squad, what's the one player you're going out and buying, preferably a running back wide receiver? For some reason, uh, you know, Adam Thielen is just still not super expensive. I, I don't, I don't get how he's still not super expensive, given what he's done so far. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are just, if they're not competitive and they have Thielen on their team, maybe they just, they had a bad team and he was in, he's been a bright spot, but they're still maybe riding at 500 or just below. I'm going to be knocking on that guy's door. I mean, he's got at least five catches in every single game this season. And it was insane how many targets he had had without getting a touchdown. And he finally, finally found the end zone this week. If he, if he has a few more weeks like that, he's going to win you a league. And it's not going to cost you a ton because I, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't seen him even in maybe, I guess, maybe lately in the first conversation, first round draft pick conversation. But I have not seen any deals actually go down that involved a first round pick for Thielen. So he's still kind of cheap because people aren't really buying. So that's that's mine. I think Thielen's kind of just real quick on Thielen is that I think it's a tough one to because he's only 27. I think even selling uh, – teams that are selling aren't really looking to move him. So it's harder to even make those deals in the first place. And where you do see him getting moved, I think are people that you may see on the market having lower offers going through just because they didn't probably mm-hmm. value him in the first place and they got him for free. Yeah. And they're just saying, here, this is what I can get from him. And so you see a lower end deal, but he's actually much more valuable than that. Certainly in the first round uh, rookie pick type value wise. Um, so in terms of targeting, yeah, for sure. In terms of targeting uh, wide receivers, I generally go through my league and I look at um, the top four or five that have the lowest all-play percentage or the lowest points for, and then I target what receiver I might find on those rosters. Uh, if I could find like a Crabtree, Hogan, uh, even Landry, might you might be able to pry those kind of wide receivers away from people, uh, Baldwin, Adams even. So it I don't necessarily have one, man. I know that was your question to buy one, but I, I don't typically do my trades that way to lock somebody in to go get this guy. Me either, but you're going for just one. He, just, going just going for one, I'd pick Pat Crabtree. <laughs> nice. Which is funny because I've actually seen on Twitter people asking for Adam Thielen comps, and the comp has been Michael Crabtree a lot of times. So that, that's an interesting uh, one. Not, not that you guys were doing that, but I thought that's, that's funny that you did that. So. I just want to thank you guys uh, for coming on the pod. Uh, uh, Travis, anything you want to plug for us? Well, uh, I've been keeping busy this this year and uh, definitely have a, a Target Acquired series that's been a lot of fun. It's just really Debbie focus at uh, Dynasty League Football. And then uh, this Dynasty cheat sheet type thing that I've been doing every week for the Fantasy Authority. And, of course, the Dynasty Life podcast with my buddies Justin McCaslin and Andrew Frechette. Really enjoy doing that every week with them. And I've been doing a little video series, Touchdown Time with Travis, because everybody loves a good alliteration. And uh, that's been a lot of fun, too, just short videos. Uh, catch those on Twitter. And uh, I'm always up to chat and just learn from you guys, the listeners, and uh, learn from smarter people like uh, Kevin and Nathan as well. So <laughs> thanks for having me. He's full of it, Nathan, and you know it. <laughs> we learn from Travis. Don't listen to him. Travis is a smart <laughs> dude. Anything Anything from you, Kev? Uh, yeah, just doing the podcast. Um, fantasy football engineering uh, part of the dlf network of podcast there and then i'm not haven't been doing much writing uh in season i'll catch up on that in the off season uh but just the podcast and catch me on twitter uh the underscore ff underscore engineer 
All right. Thank you very much. And we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully down there. Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Recently, Total Wireless helped Charlie Michelle stage a virtual dance recital for her friends and family. This event was super meaningful to them. Because when you move to Total Wireless, you can get amazing devices on nationwide 5G. And with unlimited plans starting at $25 a month, you could save up to $1,200 a year. Thank you, Total Wireless, for helping me pull this off. Total Wireless. Do amazing. Compatible 5G device required. 5G network in limited areas. Month equals 30 days. Savings claim made when compared to four-line postpaid plans of leading carriers 10-20-20. See terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com.